This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash rubyrogues. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ruby Rogues. This week on our panel, we have Eric Berry. Hey there. Dave Kimura. Hello. David Richards. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. A quick shout out if you're into React. Uh, we are doing React Dev Summit coming up. So check it out. We're all, we also have a JavaScript Dev Summit coming up. So check that out, too. We have a special guest this week, and that is Jacob Stobel. Jacob, do you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Rails and JavaScript developer, um, and I'm here to glad to join the show. Awesome. Do, do you want to just give us a brief rundown where you work, what you do, um, why you're world sure. famous? Favorite why, flavor why of ice cream? What? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I work for a remote company called ePublishing. We're basically a, a platform uh, for people who want to host or for publishers who uh, host any number of different um, publications. Um, and I do mostly front end for them, but we're in a little bit of Rails as well. Um, I guess what I'm what I'm here to talk about is I gave a I gave a talk at RubyConf 2017 uh, about something called the critical response process, um, which um, I hasn't really ever been thought of in the con or I, I've never seen written about in the context of code reviews. But I think when I looked at it, I, I felt like it was a really great framework for understanding and thinking about how we give feedback to one another as developers. Um, and, uh, it was an interesting sort of experiment to sort of think about how I could apply this. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, hopefully we can have a conversation about that. Awesome. So, yeah, so, um, I think when you, or when, you know, when you filled out in the form, you said something about code reviews and, and mm -hmm. I kind of want to expand that a little bit. Are there other places besides code reviews that we give this kind of feedback we could do better on yeah um and i have to sort of caveat all this by like saying like i'm probably pretty lucky in the career i've had so far um which is that everyone i pretty much everyone i've worked with so far has been really generous and just incredibly kind in giving me feedback um and in you know going to conferences and uh just talking to people and you know if you ever like are at a conference and want to have like just an icebreaker and I want to find a way to sort of get conversations started with people to say like, what do y'all think of code reviews? Because um, you will hear so many stories from people about um, code reviews, but also just like feedback um, uh, in general from other people in this industry that have uh, frankly just not 
gone well or not been productive or in the worst case been um, uh, uh, counterproductive and let, leave people feeling, uh, 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 what's the word, just with a bad taste in their mouth. Uh, so yeah, to answer your question, I, I think that can go for code reviews where we're really trying to get, you know, tangible feedback, actionable feedback on, you know, something we're trying to merge into the, into the, uh, into the code base, but, uh, but also just in terms of like, you know, general mentorship, like, you know, if you were to go to, um, your supervisor or someone who's more senior than you and say, you know, I'm really wondering what should I learn next or what, you know, what can I do so I can grow in my profession? Um, uh, that can be a really vulnerable thing to ask um, because it, at its root, you're asking like, what am I not so good at <laughs> or what could I grow at? And I think there's really great, there's really great ways that you can answer questions like that. Um, and I think there's really not so great ways that you can answer questions like that, that can um, really be harmful to a professional relationship because, um, and I, I talk, I say this in my talk and like one of my points is that, as developers, we are a creative profession. You know, we're not making art with a capital A, but the reason why we do what we do is because we are hopefully pretty good at being creative, like looking, taking a problem and thinking about it creatively and a creative way to solve it. And one of the points that I try to assert is that <clears throat> if we don't, if we're not working in an environment where we have a, at least a baseline level of trust for our colleagues. Um, creativity can get really hard because we just don't know if um, we're going to be met with a bunch of negative criticism or be mocked or you know whatever else. So, what led you to this topic? Have you had really bad experiences in feedback? We all, uh, again, like I've had, I've only pretty much ninety nine percent and. Definitely 100% at my current job, which I'm, I've only been at for a couple of months now. I've had great experiences. However, um, I'm a career changer. Um, I used to be, believe it or not, I used to be a high school drama teacher. Uh, it's a long story how I went about changing that, but that's not really the point of this. Um, but the reason I came about this is because this is uh, this thing called the critical response process, and it was founded by um, a woman named Liz Lerman. Um, and she actually is a dancer. She comes from the dance world. And she was looking at the way artists and artists give and receive feedback from one another. And she found that it was a, um, particularly in her world, the dance world, it was incredibly um, harsh. Um, and I, I use that word intentionally. Like there was this sort of this framework that, um, feedback can only be useful if it's harsh, you know, so that, that, that idea of like, um, I'm being brutally honest with you. Um, and that's the only way you're going to learn. That's the only way you're going to get better. And she, she took this, uh, Lerman took this, this idea and she said, you know, wait a minute, what if it were possible to, um, be both honest without being, be honest and nice. <laughs> um, so, you know, I can give you the feedback you need to hear so you can grow. But also, I can do it in a way that's going to make you feel like you want, um, you actually want to go back to the work and do better at it. Not because I've been beaten down and sort of like coerced into doing it better. But and it's like, I, I'm excited. It's like, oh, I can't wait till I can sort of go back to this and make it better. Um, 
And so I learned that in, in a completely different career. And when I, when I transitioned to this career, um, where, what actually got me started on this, um, uh, on this talk to begin with was uh, I read a tweet. Uh, it was from a joke account and it said, uh, code reviews can be uh, honest, nice, pick one. <laughs> um, and you know, that's, that's funny. But you know, I got to think about it. It's like, well, why can't code reviews be both honest and nice? And I thought about it some more. And I was like, you know, code reviews can be nice and they can be honest, but really it's not about one or the other, right? It should be, it should be both. But really, it should be about inspiring the people who made the code to like want to go and make it better. So it's like if I if I give you a code review and you spent maybe you spent a whole week just just hacking on this uh, this project for with my team, and I go and submit a PR and I get a code review and it's like I've got thousands of lines of code that I wrote, and I've got I don't know five people piled onto it and are really marked it up. What's the nature of like how they marked it up, and and did they give me feedback that it's basically like uh, lots of little nitpicky things about my style or about things like that, or did it did they ask questions that made made me, made me think like oh you know that's actually a really good idea I'd like to go back and uh, it's giving me ideas about how I could maybe dry this up or I could. Um, uh, cover some corner cases that I didn't think about. And it really makes me feel like, um, I'm collaborating with my, with the people who are giving me feedback. And, uh, you know, I, I use the, one of the examples of bad code reviews that I use in the, in the talk is like the, the firing squad, right? It's like you, you bring your code and up to this, up, up to the wall and all the people are going to review it are basically like, I'm going to try to shoot as many holes into your code as possible. <laughs> and I'm going to win. And if I can't, yeah, yeah, it's adversarial, right? It's like it's it's almost like a um, it's it's like if I can find any problems with your code, then you have to go back and fix them. And if I can't find any problems, then then you can merge in your content, right? And so so it's like it's this idea like the the only way we can arrive at the best code possible is by fighting with each other. Um, and and it's not to say that like some teams work well by sort of like collegially is that a word by by um, in a, in a night in a collegial way. Um, debating with one another, but sometimes that doesn't work. And what happens is uh, the supervisor or the person who's been there the longest can really sort of take advantage of a situation. And um, they can really sort of start leveraging power that in, in kind of a toxic way. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, does that answer your question? <laughs> it, it does. All right. So, we're gonna we're gonna try this out real quick now. I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on your drama experience. And yeah. we're gonna do a little bit of role play, okay? Okay. All right, you guys ready for some role play? Okay. If you have me singing again, Eric, I'm gonna sing. No, no singing, <laughs> but we're gonna do role play. Okay. Do, do I have Here's a safe scenario. word? <laughs> <laughs> right? Here's the scenario. Jacob, you and I work together. I just mm -hmm. submitted a PR yeah. uh, to the repo that basically changes every word the with the word cat. <laughs> and I think it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. And and you come back and give it a negative review or you you review it. And mm -hmm. I come to you. Okay, here we go. Ready? Scene. Jacob, why why just why just screw me over, bro? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, hey, like, I wonder if we could uh, if we could just sort of sit down and, and have a talk about. Uh, oh wait, question: Am I playing like the uh, the bad code reviewer in this? Or am I playing? Oh yeah, let's see the bad co code reviewer oh, okay. first. Oh, Jacob, okay. what's your deal? Why do you hate cats? Oh well. Obviously, did you read the style guide at all? Um, cats, 
uh, obviously shouldn't be in this code review or in this in this code base. Um, go back and read the documentation. Uh, you need to start all over. Dude, I spent like three days on that PR. I changed every me. every cat word by hand. <laughs> you should have asked me first. I, I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. <sighs> all right. Good. All right. Now. I love the RTFM. Right, so- That's awesome. all right all right uh here we go good 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 cop dude why'd you hate on my cat review on my cat pr okay so can i um eric can i i have some questions i wonder i could start out with um my first question is you know what 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 ideas were inspiring you to um to, to change uh, V to cat? Well, I recently got a cat named Fuggles and <laughs> it's awesome. And so it had me thinking of cats and because it brings me so much joy, I figure everybody else should have joy. Oh, that's great. You know, I really appreciate like the, um, the desire to, to bring more joy to the code base. You know, we, we are with the after all, right? So uh, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, if I could just pause that, like one thing that I would probably do is I I would want to know from you uh, uh, what are your questions for me? You know, are is there anything you're dying to know uh, about this PR that you would like feedback on? Well, you said that cats don't belong in the code base, so I, I'd like to know why you think that. Oh, okay. Um, well. Um, well, that's actually a really good question. You know, it says here in the docs that we're not supposed that we're that we have to use we have to follow this style. But you know what? That's from four years ago. I'm not sure why. Why do do you think it's it's still relevant, or do you think that's the, the do you think the, the the style guide is out of date? What I mean, what no, what you're should, probably what right. Do you're, you're probably right. Cats probably don't belong in there. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I'll go back and change it. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was laughing a lot on mute, and I was glad I had mute so you guys finished that. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> but you know, if I if I replace cats with the pattern of the day, right, or whatever <laughs> the thing du jour, the jam du jour, you know, I it it happens. That thing happens. Like, why did you do that? Yeah. And try to not tear them down. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so the, uh, there's four steps to this response process. Um, the first, um, and they come in a really specific order. So the first, and I, I sort of tried to do this is that, um, as the responder, um, and I guess it wasn't really relevant in this talk or this scenario, but the, as the responder, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to sort of, before any kind of judgment or um, evaluation, I'm going to sit down and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to list for the person I'm giving a review for what was meaningful about this. So like an obvious thing would be, it's like, it's meaningful that every single instance of V was replaced by cat. Right. Um, and you know, that the important thing is that like, I'm just saying it was meaningful. I'm not saying it was good. I'm not saying it was bad. It just stood out to me. After that, the next thing that happens is that, uh, Eric would have gotten the chance to say, to ask his questions about like, okay, I've been, you know, I, I've submitted this PR, but this little bit here, I don't know. Is it a little hacky? I'm not sure. And the, pur- the purpose of that is that it's putting the, um, the, 
author or the creator in the driver's seat. Like they get to sort of kick off the conversation by, by talking about the things they want to talk about. And the, the reason is that the process sort of trusts that uh, the people who made the, the thing know about it best. Right, um, and, and they know what they they know how to steer the conversation in the directions that it needs to go. It sort of trusts that. So that's how that those are the first two steps. After that, then I, as the responder, get to ask questions. But um, and I tried to model this here. I don't. Ask, the questions can't be a opinion disguised as a question, right? So um, I ask the questions like, "Tell me what thoughts you had." Uh, with, uh, what what ideas inspired you to change V to cat? That's just like a question. And the reason is that like, I, as a responder, my first job is to understand the work or like the, the work that they did before I go and start giving a hot take about it, right? Um, how many times have you had people that sort of piled onto a PR or whatever else? And you're like, did, how much do you actually understand that? <laughs> like, uh, did you just look at it for five minutes and start mocking up things or like, do you, you know, um, so it's like my job to actually understand it a little bit better. And then after all of that, then I can give an opinion, but the opinion has to be, um, consented, right? The, 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 the responder has to say, yeah, I'll take an opinion about X, Y, Z. So the way it would work is I would say, I have an opinion about the, the find replace, replacing all the words the with cat. Would you like to hear about that? Can I tell you about that? And they could say, yeah, like, I think that would be useful. Or they could say, no, I don't really need to hear about that. Like, that's not necessary. Um, there's a big asterisk to that that I'm sure you might be thinking, which is like, okay, does that mean my supervisor doesn't have to... Or I can say no thanks to my supervisor's opinions. And the answer, of course, is like, no, you still have to listen to... <laughs> you still have to listen to your supervisor. You still have to listen to your team. But um, I think it's possible to have like... a a con like a setup of like a, an understanding with your team or your supervisor ahead of time where you can say this kind of feedback is in bounds in, in, in the scope of what it's about or when it's given, like maybe feedback at Friday at 5, 4 PM, not good. Or, and this type of feedback is not in bounds, right? Like don't ask about that or don't ask about that now <laughs> hold off for later right and and I, it just sort of helps guide the conversation a little bit um and and that's basically how it all works right it's like it's it's basically giving us a roadmap for how we go about talking uh, about all this stuff because it's not easy and i think it's it's really possible for our, uh reviews to sort of get off get off track the thing that i like about this is that you can talk about it you can kind of come to a place where you understand each other and then mm -hmm. the next time you have the conversation, you've got this context, right? So it's, you know, maybe it's not, you know, replacing all the words the with cat, but maybe it's something like, well, I'm sw I, I switched the whole API over to GraphQL or, you know, <laughs> some other hot technology, right? And so now, mm -hmm. now we've had a conversation about it. We have a wider conversation with the team. If we're making major changes to the API, we need to run it through this process. And it just opens mm -hmm. up the whole conversation to that so everybody understands how this works. And nobody's demonized. It's just, okay, mm -hmm. it, apparently we needed a conversation about this, so we're going to have it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you have, and everyone on the team has the backstory. It's like, yeah. well, we were working, we had a REST API going and my gosh, it was, it was really a dumpster fire. It was falling apart. And, and so blah, blah, blah. And, and for these reasons, this is why, you know, 
this is why we decided to move in this direction. Not everyone necessarily agrees with it, but um, everyone knows the backstory. So we don't have to rehash that every single time. Exactly. Yeah. And we know what the conversation looks like next time. Yes. So that there's yes, not yes, just a right. unilateral decision on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this would this whole thing would root out the passive aggressive, you know, like if, if it doesn't get talked about, if we're not upfront about it, then, you know, like, hey, wait, I really like grass, right? No, no, we're going to go GraphQL. And so then, you know, a month later, oh, man, you know, if you guys had only stuck with rest mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or whatever the argument is, right, that, mm-hmm. that, you know, by avoiding the conversation, we avoid the opportunity to move together and actually get everybody moving in the same direction. Yeah. How many? How- how many of you have had a coworker or a collaborator um, where they, you know, every time you had a meeting, they brought up the same topic, even though you thought it was decided, right? They don't do it mean, they're not trying to fight, but they bring it up every single time. And I, cause I have, and oh, not know, me, never many years. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> and I've been that guy and I've also had those people. Yeah. <laughs> And the, I'm, judging, the, I'm judging all of you, by the way. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and really, it's 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 not just that one person, right? It takes a whole team to say who who to be to allow for that conversation to sort of spin out every single time, as opposed to saying like, "No, we talked about that already. We're not going to talk about it again. It's decided." Yeah. Well, it's also you know, fair it, to acknowledge, and I think David did this a little bit, you know, he, we all have our sacred cows, right? And so that's, <laughs> that. when he's the guy bringing it up over and over again, it's because it matters to him. And, yep. and if you acknowledge that, and then refer back to the decision, it's not telling him he's being bad, it's just telling him, we've already made that decision, but we acknowledge that it's important to you. Yeah. 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 Well, cause it's, it's this, this weird twist where to be a good software developer, we've, we've got to develop knowledge and abilities and opinions and be good at that. And so to be a good software developer and to not necessarily go in that direction as a team, you know, we've got to have a, some safety valve to say, yeah, okay, so we're not going to do that, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a bad idea. Just we can't because, mm-hmm. Um, I've worked on a project once where um, we just had everybody was super senior, you know, a couple decades of, of, of experience. When the project was done, we had, I think, two people leave to be CTOs mm-hmm. one left to be a director. Everybody else left to be like managers. You know, we were all just devs building something, but um, really good people. And so we really had to be careful about that. Like, you know, if somebody is saying something, they probably have a decade of experience behind what they're saying. It's not like mm-hmm. just thrown out as an idea. And so being able to listen to each other and, and get everybody working together, that turns out was harder to do. <laughs> it was kind of comical and bad yeah. sometimes. But, you know, so it seems like what, you know, I, you know man, if we could have just, uh, you know, had you had this in my head, it would have gone a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like, well, we've got all this, we've got all this knowledge floating around, and it's not going to, and 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 but and also, a lot of personal, you know, professional experience floating around. That's not going to perfectly overlap. So it's like there's a lot more of sort of stuff to iterate over, um, and sort of examine uh, to feel like you've covered everything. So yeah, I could see how that would be more complicated. You know? 
So, yeah. and then it's not so much just getting a code review done, but getting a whole team moving in the same direction, which is really what I think code reviews do really well. Mm-hmm. Get everybody moving in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I I just love the idea of like a code review that sort of makes me excited to go back and fix my work. You know, because I I can leave a code review feeling like because uh, I'm relatively junior, right? And I could leave a code review feeling like I'm really shut down or it's like, I'm it's like, Oh, do I even belong in this job? Am I like, d- did I somehow trick them when I got this job? Or I can leave a code review thing like, Oh, I didn't realize that the I could even do that with this code base. And now I can, I can just move that into this method. And it's like, Oh my gosh, it's so much easier. Right. And like, uh, and just feeling like, Oh, I love this job because I got, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm being mentored with every, with every comment. Yeah. So yeah. And, you know, for me, I think that there's a lot of things that can be done prior to a code review even happening to mitigate the, and I hate to use this word, the confrontation mm-hmm. that occurs within a code review. Uh, if you have someone, like in your example, Eric, changing all the these two cats, and that wasn't discussed prior in a planning meeting or something, mm-hmm. then you're off, you know, doing your own thing. And even in greenfielding projects, there is still some kind of plan or direction that was decided that you want to go on with the project. You know, whether it's up in one person's head or a team has already discussed. So I think, you know, staying on target and having good communication with one another could mitigate those kind of things. And if it's an open source project, maybe if they're, if they have a, um, a, uh, Getter channel or Slack channel or something, hop on there and discuss your idea before you start putting forth a lot of effort. And also with doing things like uh, making a bunch of different kinds of changes, if the project has a CID, CICD pipeline where you can have breakmen running to check for any kind of static code analysis security issues that you might be introducing, you can run those yourself to see prior to even asking for a code review, if you are opening up a bunch of very well-known security issues. And also with Rubicop, mm-hmm. you know, have a style guideline that a project has determined that this is the style of this project. If we want to have a change, if we want to go about it a different way, you know, let's get together and have a chat about it. And then we'll add it into the Rubicop YAML file and we'll use that as our standard going forward. So having all of these things in place will help mitigate a lot of the confrontation that can happen on a code review. And when you submit for a code review, if you have a much smaller and condensed, not one pull request or whatever, uh, that's thousands of lines, because I'm not going to read that, honestly. <laughs> I'm going to skim over it, see if anything jumps out. And I'm like, either going to pass it or saying, we need to hold off on this feature, release it later. We need to dig more into what's going on here. But regardless of all of that, I think one of the most important things, and I watched your talk, Jacob, that you I forget the three points. You can either be nice, uh, be honest, or be inspirational. Wait, I think the idea is you should, hopefully you can do all three. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the only ones that really matter are being honest and being inspirational. Being nice, I think, can go out the window if the team has established that I'm a good person. I love the team that I work on. And my team members know that no matter what I say, 
I am really trying to help them and to lift them up in what they're doing. No matter how I how I say it, if they know that at the bottom of their hearts, if they know that I'm approaching them with love, then I can leave the niceness out of the code review because they know that I'm really trying to help them. I'm not out to get them. I'm here to help them and lift them up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think nice is sort of a more surface level behavior, whereas mm-hmm. being inspirational or like you said, lifting up my teammates is a much more substantial um, pattern of actions that I can do with my team. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think nice could be a uh, a nice byproduct of uh, working with my team, but I, I think you're right. I think it's not necessarily the the goal we're after, the thing we're after. I I think when you're talking about nice and and you know whether or not you need it, I th- I think what you really need to come back to on that particular conversation is values, right? So our team values security. That's why we're going to run Breakman. Our team values efficiency. And so that's why we're going to run CI and, you know, all that stuff. You know, our team values, you know, thoughtful communication, you know, whatever, right? And so that's how we're going to approach the the code review. And so if if we're looking at these values and everybody's on board with the values, then it's not, oh, I'm going to worry about your feelings. It's more about these are the values we have. And I'm going to, you know, since we're all on board with the values, we're all going to collaborate and make sure that our code and our communication reflect those values. And so, you know, if if the the nice, warm, touchy-feely stuff isn't in your values, but, you know, clear and thoughtful communication is, then you may say something that somebody doesn't want to hear, but it's understood because of the values that that's the way we approach some of these things. Yeah. And, and I think the, um, I, 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 what I'm also, I also get into this in the talk, you know, I, I think what you're saying, Chuck is, is definitely true. It's like, I, I should be more interested in, um, lifting up my team than sort of just sort of nice niceties. Right. Um, the, um, the other end of that spectrum that I, I, I taught, I mentioned in the talk is like this idea that, as long as I am supposedly only talking about your code, um, there's no way that I'm out of bounds and you shouldn't take it personally. So like the other, the way on the other end of the spectrum is um, uh, tearing dead people down, supposedly in the name of better code. And, and I, I, you recognize it with the phrase, don't take this personally, but your code is junk. Um, <laughs> I think that you know. it's, it's like that can really open the door to a lot of toxic toxic behavior because it's like it's this it's this it's built on this notion that like as long as we're only focused on the code we can't possibly be uh out of bounds um and which which is do you run your own freelance business or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side well then you need fresh books fresh books is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. 
and it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. The problem that I have with that, honestly, is it should be taken personally because Mm -hmm. we should be wanting to lift each other up. And if you say, don't take it personally, I hear that as, you know what? I really don't care about improving your skills as an individual. I just want these three lines of code to be proper in the way I see fit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and, and really like a lot of that stuff is usually sort of, um, it can usually be stripped away. So it's like, so you don't take it personally. When, when I, uh, people who are saying That's don't take trigger. it personally, I, <laughs> well, I often feel like they're taking it personally, right? Like, so it's like, oh, don't be emotional about this, but I'm going to scream at you. It's like, well, you're being emotional about this. So like you, you're, you've started down this sort of, um, down this sort of toxic uh, wormhole. Um, but yeah. So what do you do then if somebody is going to take it personally? I mean, some people just cannot take feedback. Even if you sugarcoat it and wrap yep. it up in pillows and all that good stuff, here's some marshmallows, here's some candy. We like this change just a little bit. They're just not going to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that I and I I am not a manager. <laughs> um and I I I I think it would be cool if someone sort of did another talk that's um, sort of geared at managers um, because honestly, and the, the, I think I said this in the talk is like there, this framework um, doesn't have like a contingency plan when there's bad actors involved. It, it sort of is assuming that everyone is playing fair and is sort of playing with is bringing sort of their full generous self to the process. Um, but I think you bring up a really good question is that like, or a good point, which is that like, if people aren't going to receive feedback, well, um, they probably, it's going to, it's going to hurt the whole team because then the rest of the team won't like give them feedback. And then what happens next, right? They might not, they might not be included anymore. And then all of a sudden you've got this, you've got this team member who's dead weight because you can't give them the most important projects. And you know, it's, it's not good. Yeah, again, I'm going to bring this back around to values really quickly, though, because, again, it's like, look, we can't live out our values if you're going to take it personally. And it's not personal. We're just trying to live out our values. We're just trying to do the job that everybody agreed on. And, you know, it's it's hard because some people are going to look at that. They're going to say, well, then fine, I don't belong here and they're going to leave. But sometimes that's what it takes. And then sometimes people are just going to get on board. And so I, I think if you clearly communicate what you're after. <laughs> then the people who leave because they don't agree with what you're after, it's mm-hmm. probably going to be a good thing for your team. And I hate saying that because I hate, I hate the idea of confrontation with people over stuff that's not, you know, tangible like the code. Mm-hmm. But when it comes mm-hmm. right down to it, everybody's happier when everybody's on board with what you're working for. Yeah. And you know, if that, that messaging can come from, can, can come from everybody on the team mm-hmm. too. Right. So you can say like, as the manager, it, it's it's good if, as the manager, I'm asking all of my team to to live out our values. But it's even better if, like, I'm inspiring everyone on our team. Yeah. So every single person on the team can feel comfortable pulling aside that one problematic person and saying, like, "Hey, I want you to know you're new here, but I want you to know, like, 
we really try hard to accept feedback graciously because X, Y, Z, because of our value. Like, so everyone can live that those values too. 2018 is the year of the code review uh, interventions. Well, one one thing I think is is really fascinating about this conversation, because I, uh, you know, I'm looking at like, as a junior developer, I had a really hard time with feedback. Like, why was that? You know, I felt like I was a poser and I didn't belong there and I was struggling. And and, and I think about that now that I I look back, you know, we we have a name for that. We call it a a neurosis. So we develop a neurosis when we over overreact to the environment when something in the stimulus happens and our reaction is bigger than what's happening. So if I give you feedback on your code review, you can't take, take feedback. Something's going on there. There's something else in the mix. It's not just, okay, it's, it's a bad actor or the person's just not fitting our values. I mean, these, this is true. What you guys are saying is true. Absolutely. But they've developed a neurosis. And until we can be direct with them, until we can show them, Hey, look, this is what's going on. This is, what you need to be able to handle to be trusted with the big projects, to be, to do the big features, you know, this is, we want you part of this, you know, that they, they don't get better. They just realize, um, you know, they, they just keep spiraling in the wrong direction until it gets really ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the pick that I'll give later, the, the thing um, in, in the show today is, is a book and it starts with an example of that where somebody, they just sugarcoated, sugarcoated feedback until they had to fire the person. And then the guy was like, what on earth? I've only heard good feedback from everybody. We didn't, nobody told me, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I could have fixed at this a hundred times, a thousand times that this was a problem. You know, we have to hear that. I think mm-hmm. people have to be willing and able to work together. Yeah, and they have to they have to be approached as you know, really in the they, they shouldn't be you shouldn't wait for the co- the quarterly, you know, job review, right? Like a lot of these things can be pretty small. There's like, mm-hmm. hey, we show up to meetings on time. We have to show up to meetings on time. <laughs> Please <Yeah>. do. <laughs> And and I don't know if this is a true breakdown of the word uh, or if it's just one of those nice new things to remind me, but I like the word honest to be, to be one with what is, asked being what is. And, um, you know, maybe it's just a reminder, like, yeah, if I can't, if I have to wait for a quarterly review to be honest, but I'm not honest for, you know, 89 days out of the quarter. And so, yeah, I need to show up on time or somebody needs to tell me, or I need to tell somebody this is not working for me and, Cause that's painful. Cause that, that, cause now it's, it feels like, okay, they knew that I wasn't pulling my weight and nobody cared about me enough to tell me that I've got to figure this out or, and now how could I ever be part of this team? <laughs> now I've got a big problem when I had a little problem before. Definitely. Well, and if you know, those things are important, you can tell people that when you hire them and then they can decide, you know what, that's, that's not for me. And that's where those values are really valuable, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine how much effort that'll save you. <laughs> well, I love that because especially if you've got a place that, that stands for something, hey, we're this, and everybody gets it. Like, man, I yep. do not fit in, or oh, that is just me, all hundred percent. That makes it so much easier to just, you know, everybody moving in the same direction. Yeah. So one thing that I'm wondering about here is, you know, so you're talking about kind of understanding where people are coming from, but how do you get to that clarity? Because 
uh, a lot of the code reviews that I see fall apart. Usually there's some miscommunication somewhere. So how can you make sure that you're being clear on the way that you communicate about all of the stuff yeah. that we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Oh, did did I get in the way of your... Nope, go you ahead. That? Okay. Um, did... Um, so I think again the that that's that framework of the four steps in the critical response process really helps, right? So the very first thing that um uh happens is um no, excuse me, the second thing that happens towards the beginning is the the people making the the code review get to ask their own questions, right? They're gonna start the conversation by asking, what do you what do you think about? this this or this and 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 it doesn't necessarily have to be once the work is ready for a final pr right it could be as they're getting started on the project right like uh-huh. how should i go about this or something like that um when i gave the talk someone actually shouted out a really great um idea which was that how often have you um when you make a pr commented on your own pr before sending it to anybody because that I I feel like is a really great way to get the conversation started, and uh, keep. You asked about like how do we not spin out of control? Like how do we like guide the the, the reviewer towards? Um, uh, here are the bits that I suspect are going to be problematic, right? Like I've, I'm removing this dependency. I want you to know I'm removing this dependency. I think it's going to be okay, but I want everyone to make sure because um, it could be bad if there was something I didn't catch. Um, and then after that, um, when people get um, in step three, uh, it's the job of the reviewers to first make sure they fully understand what's going on. I mean, how many times have you reviewed PR and you're like, I think this is okay. But um, <laughs> it looks literally every time. I was going to say, yeah. you've watched me doing this. I think it's right. Kind of. Yeah, so Please. What, the test What pass? if there was a code? <laughs> Yeah, the tests pass. I don't see any missing yeah. semicolons. <laughs> so I, here, here's here's my review. I, I are you smarter than I am? And the answer is always yes. Okay, I'm sure it's good. <laughs> yeah. So like, what if? Well, what even if, if it's not, even if it's what? not, you know that part of the code way better than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just so wrote like, it. What if? Yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, sorry. No, what if like we said, when we start this code review, I want you to give me a tour. Um, Hopefully your PR message is going to give me a tour of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And please point out the things that you're not sure about. Point out the things that might be problematic. Um, uh, And then similarly, like what if we said like, please, like we're going to have a round of in the PR where you're going to ask, the reviewers are just like going to ask any questions that came up because like, I'm seeing this bit. I'm I'm completely unfamiliar with this part of the code base. Can you just tell me what's going on here? <laughs> and then and, and and like there's I don't have any judgment yet. I just need to know what does it do. Um, I could look it up, but you could probably tell me much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then like everyone's empowered to give much higher level um, feedback. I really like that. I, 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 I do something really similar. I, I think I'm going to expose some of my one trick that I do that I, has worked well for me is I play stupid and I, um, I just go really slow and pedantic and I'll wave my hands, draw pictures, tell a story. And I, I draw it out and I explain, Oh, I think this is happening this way. 
And I don't try to sound like I'm the smart person in the room at all. In fact, I just, oh, and so this would happen. And then I, I you know, and it's sometimes painful. Some of you have to listen to me. And then they'll sometimes push me into shortcut. That, no, no, it's because of this. You know, and, and I want you to know this. And, and, and then I'll just say, what about if, and I just go down the, the condition tree of all the things that could go wrong. And, and pretty soon, even if we can't cover everything, I've taken my time and I get a sense that they've thought through the same logical branches that I'm thinking through. And now I know that the code quality is good. The tests are that good, you know, and then I, I'll comment on, it looks like you've tested on everything. And I'm not really checking the, the test as much as I'm checking their response if they squirm. And I think, okay, let's look a little harder at what tests are missing. Because mm. <laughs> just being a, what's, what's the guy uh, that with the lazy eye, the old uh, detect, TV detectives that, uh, oh. that his- uh. <laughs> I got to look that up now. I know, right? I play this guy that uh, uh, he just plays dumb until the, the Peter Falk. Passes. Peter Falk, yeah. And, uh, Columbo. Columbo. Yeah. <laughs> I play Dominic until the murderer confesses. <laughs> and now we've got a good code review because they're able to be honest with me and I'm able to understand where they're coming from. Anyway, that's something I've tried before that well, I try actually often, you know, especially if it's a non trivial code push. I, I make it sound like it's a lot more fun than it is. <laughs> Probably people hate it. But. No, I mean, that's the. Is it the Aristotle? Uh, is that like the aristocratic method? I think it's like Socratic, yep. Socratic method. Yeah. Excuse me. Yep. <laughs> um, it's like you respond to every question with another question, and like let's see how deep we can take the dialogue by yep. just continuing to ask questions. Yeah, yeah. I tried that with my three-year-old. You know, like, well, why'd you draw on the wall? <laughs> I don't know. Well, why don't you know? He's like, I don't know. And that's that's usually where we end up in our recursion endless loop. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's there's never a base case for the three year old, I guess. <laughs> well, what I like about Socratic method is that uh, it can be done gently. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be done really not well, but it seems to fit really well with the steps we have here. You know, I get questions can just draw people out instead of beat them up (laughs) and i think a lot of times you can find uh answers to your own self you know the self-awareness you learn so much more when you have that epiphany or self-awareness of what is being asked and answering it instead of them calling you out saying why is this done like this well now you have been brought attention but if they say hey you know can you explain kind of what's going on here and you come to that own awareness that, oh, this isn't right. You know, I should have done this or it's going to cause this speed issue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think what you're talking about there is, I mean, there's a difference between the Socratic method and, you know, leading questions, you know, w- with a, an obvious right answer. And the one is somewhat condescending and the other one is, I really want to understand what your thought process is. And I don't have a right answer necessarily to give you. And so, you know, hopefully we can go on this discovery journey together. And if you come through that and you make that the way that you approach your Socratic method, it's it's very, very effective. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, 
I saw this tweet as well. Someone put a tweet in the in the notes. Um, the toxic conflict often arises when different people are solving different problems that they think are the same problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I well, I've also heard the analogy of like if I'm having a dialogue with somebody, and you can think of like a dialogue with somebody as like putting a horseshoe on an anvil and hitting it with a hammer, right? And a good dialogue is when I'm putting the top, like the horseshoe is like the thing we're talking about. And then um, if I manage to get the horseshoe between the hammer and the anvil, I'm going to properly shape it between like our two ways of seeing it. Our two conflict, you know, conflicting ways of seeing it are going to shape the metal in the way we need it. But if I miss the, if I miss the horseshoe, then all I do is hit the anvil and I get sparks and nothing happens, right? And so the idea is, is like, I shouldn't be trying to target myself at the other person. I should be saying, let's put our two viewpoints. Um, uh, let's put the topic in between our two point viewpoints and let's see if we can turn the metal the way it needs to go. Mm. I like the analogy. <laughs> yeah, it's the judo. It's it's managerial judo. Let's just take that energy you've got and the energy I've got and see if we can get it going in the same direction. And, cool. Um, yeah, I like the anvil. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, about it is that it's a lot less threatening to me if you've got good energy and you're doing something good and I've got good energy and I'm doing something good and we're not quite aligned yet. But it's just, okay, the two vectors are not quite going in the same direction. So let's just talk about that a little bit. It's safe to adjust. <laughs> yep. As long as it's safe to adjust a little bit, then it's safe to grow. And, and, and we're going to grain. We're going to multiply each other. So, Yeah, effort. definitely. Well, you know what happens when you have two vectors going in the opposite direction at the same magnitude? You get zero. Yes. <laughs> so you got to get it going, going in the same direction. Yeah. <laughs> or relatively in the same direction. So you can always at least be moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, I have an old colleague, uh, and I've I've worked for enough time that I've worked with a lot of people. But I've got this one guy. We get together every week still, and we have this yes and conversation that we have honed. So it's so perfect. He could be coming out of left field, and I don't know what he's coming. What what on earth are you doing, dude? And I was like, yes, and and then I go with something he's got, and we collaborate really well it's safe for us to be wrong and it's safe for us to disagree and it's safe for us to adjust because we just play that yes and you know we don't throw the butt we don't have the two vectors going opposite each other so yes okay i see what you're saying there and huh what if we did this and back and forth oh man that's gonna so i don't usually start with like oh man that's gonna take too time or are you or too long or are you crazy <laughs> like oh okay that's cool but <laughs> well i threw it in a butt you know what i mean you know what i'm saying but like 10 years, 12 years after our projects are done, we still want to work together all the time because we learned how to work together well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think I said this in the talk is like, I think gr really great teams and really great working relationships, they follow this framework of critical response process, but they don't have a name for it because they don't need a name for it. Right. It's, um, it's just something that they do. Um, everyone else <laughs> for the remaining 90% of people. Um, I think that they, the intentionality can be really useful, but, um, yeah, like, um, if you, if you're in a great working relationship with, um, with your team, you probably don't need this. You're probably doing great anyway. Well, 
I, I'm thinking about this um, guy I've worked with uh, that was fired once. And, um, and I met him a year or so later. And he really, it was hard for him, you know, because the little adjustments weren't made, you know? So, I mean, you know, things can get really, they can go really bad, really fast. If, uh, if, um, if we're not willing to be honest with each other, and then all of a sudden it's just, well, we're going to fire you or all. I'm going to quit. <laughs> what? <laughs> How is that? How is that the first response? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the okay. word, the word that keeps coming to my mind, and this is going to, um, bring up different Im images for different people, but the word is intercourse. And usually we use that word for something else, but it's a word that, that really means an intimate interaction with somebody. And it can be a verbal communication thing. And if you can't get to that level where you're actually having intercourse, in other words, uh, I'm throwing my idea out and you're throwing your idea out. That's not intercourse. But if we're actually getting into each other's brains and really, you know, digging into what and why, and, and this has come up a couple of times, you know, that's, that's the level we need to be doing this at because otherwise, yeah, we're just shouting past each other. And we see that a lot with a lot of these, you know, political issues or, you know, people dig into, you know, the reasons they believe certain things religiously or other ways. And we don't get to intercourse. We just get to yell at each other. And, and so, yeah, you know, all of these techniques that we're talking about, I mean, that's what, it, that's what it is. It's getting to that point where we can understand each other. Right on. And what's sad is when there is usually the conflict, the two parties don't realize they are actually fighting for the exact same thing. They just have just a different family of origin viewpoint or whatever mm -hmm. of how they would go about solving it or what they think would be most effective. They don't, but they're fighting each other like they're enemies instead of working together. There will be compromise here and there. But they're not working towards the solution. They're just fighting each other. It's frustrating when seeing that happen in codes or politics or whatever it is. But we see it all the time. Yep. And what does that cost us? Exactly. <laughs> You're on the same. We're, yeah. we're having intercourse, aren't we, Charles? Chuck? Because, <laughs> yeah, what does it cost? There goes us? our clean rating right there. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we're both thinking, what does it cost us if we won't do that? What does it cost us? It's yep. incredibly expensive. And it's getting very expensive very fast. You know, the cost of development is, 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 is high. And so we've got to know that we can handle this professionally. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, there was a, an interview that David uh, um, uh, Rosenstein gave on uh, Freakonomics this week. And he's, you know, he's worth billions of dollars and he runs the world and he's an amazing guy. And he says that he always gives an interview where you can see the person's face because he wants what Chuck is saying we need to have. I think that's really affirming, you know, that if people that really have realized what matters in life, at least for them, for him to be successful in his his private equity firm and to be able to work well with people, he's got to really read them and pay attention to them. And, and that's really important to him. He'll, he'll go to great lengths to figure out where somebody's coming from and read them all the way and pay all the way attention. And uh, so it's the software for sure. But I, I keep seeing that pattern that, that um, dropping what we're doing and paying attention to each other matters. Well, you say it's software for sure, but where does the software come from? It doesn't come from the computer. It comes from the people who wrote it. I mean, that, that's what we're talking about. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, it's it's a it is my my the software I wrote the code I wrote is my uh, is an expression of my understanding of the world in, mm-hmm. or the and the or the world of the problem that I'm trying to solve. Um, and I, I think I said this is like we it's not easy. It's not I don't know if it's possible to completely separate your feelings i I would i don't like that word that's not exactly what i mean but it's like separate yourself from the way you see the world right like that's an that's a Mm -hmm. deeply connected thing that you have with another person and so i i think that this idea of like well we if like the idea of um there's there's just one objective idea of what the best code is 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 a little hard to pick apart because it's like it's how i saw the world it's how i think this problem should be solved so Yep. Absolutely. You know, I guess I just have a, a, another book I'm going to, there's a book called system system as a thought and it, it makes Joseph or Jacob's point makes Jacob's point that um, uh, feelings and thoughts are connected. Uh, the way that we think about things is affected by the way we feel by them. So for example, uh, I'm picking you up at the train station, you're late, you don't call, I hate you. I hate everything about you. I, I just want to tear you apart. And then you show up, like, oh man, you wouldn't believe it. There was this guy who had a heart attack and I was first responder. And we handled these things and I was just really involved and emotional. And so I didn't even think to call you, but it's so amazing he lived. And oh, okay, great, great, wonderful. You know, you weren't disrespecting me. So the way I think about a situation is absolutely influenced by the way I feel about it. And then those thoughts, they continue to get harder and harder and more and more codified. And we put them into software, we put them into standards, we put them into practices, agreements, you know, all this unspoken part about the way society works. That's just the growth of those thoughts. They, they exceed our, our, our immediate grasp. And um, it's a great book, by the way. I'll, I'll, I'll count that as one of my picks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you mentioned something there, David, that I think that could go on for a whole nother hour of talking about, but it's, there's something called perceived intention. So in that example that you had, the person picking up the friend, they perceived that their friend had no intention of being there on time. And it it doesn't matter what that person was doing, good or not your perception of the situation or circumstance is that they had no intention of being there on time, that something else was more important. And another human's life, absolutely. I would understand that. But there is still that perceived intention that you were less important than the saving of someone else's life. And that's okay. That's good to have. But we have that perceived intention in everything, in code reviews. So if if I'm getting upset at you, then you may perceive that I don't like you. And it doesn't matter how I'm coming across it. Uh, And I think this is can be used to tackle kind of what you guys were talking about, about by the person who does not take criticism well, is that for whatever reason, they are perceiving you as just attacking them. So I think that as you guys were saying, with asking questions, bringing out 
letting them have that self-discovery of the issues or gaps in the code can change their perceived intentions, maybe back onto themselves to see, you know, what were they thinking or what were they doing instead of having the negativity that even though you're not causing it, they're still perceiving it. And I think that uh, in many ways can hopefully be avoided. Definitely. Absolutely. Jeez, guys, this is getting deep. (laughs) This is fun. (laughs) Yeah. Do we have any other thoughts or ideas that we want to share before we do picks? Yeah. Well, I think we can do picks. I think so too. Yeah. I, I think, I think a lot of this conversation has centered a lot around the idea though, of just, you know, a lot of times we forget that there are people involved. Mm-hmm. And, Definitely. Yeah. you know, we, we need to keep that in mind because that, that's actually what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Definitely. And, and it's, it's not just because we have fragile egos, even though we do. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's because like, there, there's a positive to be gained in, the, in all of this too, is that like, we can, we can actually advance one another and lift one another up because, uh, when, when every time we give feedback, or we can do the opposite. Yep. But that's, that's the thing that's amazing is that if I lift you up, it doesn't push me down. And so, I mean, that's the real power is, oh, you got better because I shared something with you, but I didn't actually give anything up to share that with you. And so there's a net gain in the system, you know, be it just on our team, or maybe you learned something from me that you go share in a conference talk, and now it's a net gain for the whole community. It, it gets really interesting really quickly as far as, okay, so w- what is the real impact then of me making a difference for you or you making a difference for me? Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. For you, the listeners of Ruby Rogues, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, uh, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Uh, Dave, do you have some picks for us? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So the first pick I just came up on a whim from, and it's from Ernie Miller, and it's Humane Development. And you can find it on humanedevelopment.org. It's basically, we are people developing software for people. So, you know, treat people as people and software as people, all that good stuff. It's a really neat site, um, very small site. And the other thing is I got another power tool. So I come on here and I would like to talk about my power tools and stuff because they're fun. I uh, picked up a DeWalt 18-gauge pneumatic brad nailer. That thing is so much fun. <laughs> I tell you, you know, I just went through an entire round of nails, just like sticking it into wood and stuff. Cause that one was so much fun. I have the larger, um, uh, 
crap was the other one? Uh, finishing nailer and also a framing nailer. But this little tiny one is so much fun. I love it. Yeah, you love that. Ka-chish, ka-chish, ka-chish. I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a toy tool addiction as well. Um, so. uh, David, what are your picks? <clears throat> <laughs> so, uh, two books for me. I am a, I'm a reader. I like to read. So, uh, I've mentioned, um, um, thought as a system it's by David Bohm. Um, he's a physicist and, uh, what he did is he took, some, um, uh, university students to his home for the weekend and they just talked and they recorded the dialogue and talked about things about feelings and thoughts and sanitization and where it all comes from. And it fits coding really well. It fits our conversation today really well. And then the other one is um, Radical Candor, Candor, and it's about the same thing we're talking about as well. You know, just being able to be honest with people, you know, combining our um, ability to challenge directly with our uh, uh, caring personally. So if we can care personally, we can challenge directly, we can be radically candid and create the kind of outcome that, that Jacob's bringing up today. Both great books and short books. Eric, what are your picks? I've got one pick that's uh, maybe not appropriate for this group, but my pick is the Phoenix Framework on Elixir. Yay! <laughs> I've been doing, I've been uh, recreating Code Sponsor in Phoenix, completely open source. So it's at GitHub.com slash Code Sponsor slash Web, and I'm doing it all in Phoenix, and I'm blown away by the speed and power of this. And one of the things which is super cool is the ability to create background jobs without having to run a second process. That's just amazing. So anyway, pretty excited about it. Nice. I'm still working on that Elixir well, podcast, so I'm, I'm just going to keep an eye out for it, folks. Uh, let me know. Well, welcome to the dark side, Eric. It's a wonderful uh, place. It's, to be. It's actually, it's quite a light side. <laughs> it is. Very, very bright over here. <laughs> I need to start a show called Ruby Trader. Yeah. <laughs> still love uh, ruby i still use ruby yeah. all the time yeah no yeah don't no doubt uh yeah i know i just i have to give you crap if i can um yeah. <laughs> as long as we're not uh intercoursing or whatever <laughs> you can give me crap but as long as it's not during intercoursing so we're good uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> have some ruby elixir intercourse huh <laughs> all right well I think that's as close to a dirty joke as we're going to get today. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm going to jump in here with a couple of picks. So um, I keep hearing interviews by a guy named Jordan Peterson, and he's written a book. Uh, I guess he's written a couple of books, but the one that I keep hearing about is 12 Rules for Life. I haven't read it yet. Um, but every time I hear him talk, and he just talks about like personal responsibility and uh, meaning in life and things like that. And I've, I've just been really, really impressed by his interviews. So I'll probably post some uh, YouTube videos and stuff. But, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I fully intend to pick up his book. But yeah, just just really, really terrific stuff. Um, another book that I'm going to pick, yeah, I, I listen to a lot of books on Audible, um, is the, what is it, The Whole Brain Child? It's a parenting book. And it just kind of helps you understand psychology of kids. And I have kids ranging from two to 12. And so just seeing the way that they describe things and helping them kind of, you know, connect the dots between their left brain and their right brain, depending on how they're reacting to something or responding to something has, has been really interesting. And I've been trying to find opportunities to show my kids, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're analyzing this uh, critically, but you're leaving out the, 
uh, a human emotional component or vice versa, or, you know, what's a creative way to solve this instead of a, a literal logical way to solve it. And yeah, anyway, just, just, just making me think about the way that my kids think has been really, really, um, constructive. And it's also, uh, I've seen a few things in myself that I'm like, yeah, I kind of do that backward and has made me think critically about the way that I think, you know, even though it's kind of geared toward kids. So, um, really, really enjoying that as well. And, uh, yeah, those are my picks. Uh, Jacob, do you have some picks for us? I should do. Um, the first is a book. It's, it's about this critical response process that I talked about. Um, it's by the creator. So it's called Liz Lerman's critical response process, colon, a method for getting useful feedback on anything you make from dance to dessert. And the, it's really just a very sort of practical sort of, um, handbook on the critical response process. It's, really thin. It's probably less than a thousand, a thousand, less than a hundred pages long. Um, uh, and it follows, it gives lots of really small concrete examples of how to give and receive feedback using this framework. And what's really fun about it is it uses, um, the idea of like the creator is a baker who has made a cake and is asking their friends for feedback on their cake. Um, so, uh, I highly recommend that, um, pick up a copy and it, it just sort of gives you all the um, resources you'd want to sort of get started. Um, and then the other is, um, another talk, uh, that I saw at RubyConf when I was there in RubyConf 2017. It was one of the keynotes, uh, it was called Growing Old by Chad Fowler. Um, it was really interesting because he talks about his sort of thoughts about working with legacy code bases. He talks about, um, what we mean when we talk about a legacy, um, it, and he really, it was really interesting because he, in every other human endeavor that I can think of, the idea of a legacy is like a really a positive thing. Um, but somehow it's become this sort of this euphemism for old and clunky and bad when we're talking about software. Um, and he, he really sort of spins out that idea about what, what we really mean when things are growing old and um, what we can do to um, not let them die. Um, so and what, what does it mean for a code base to die or what does it mean for it to be alive? So uh, really interesting talk that you should, you, ch- you should check out on YouTube. Definitely. I love hearing Chad speak so that I'll have to go check it out. If people want to follow you, you know, maybe you have Twitter or GitHub or, you know, some other place that you put what you're thinking about, where, where do people go check that out? Yeah, I, I am um, pretty much everywhere. I'm Jay Stobel, so S-T-O-E. BEL. Um, I, I mostly retweet other people on Twitter of just sort of interesting things about the intersection between writing code and working with people. Um, and I would love to talk to you on Twitter. I'm on GitHub. I have my own webpage. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Very cool. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thanks for coming and uh, sharing this with us. I, I think... I think it's interesting when we start talking about communication, you know, instead of always necessarily talking about the technical end of what we do. So. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. All right. Well, we'll wrap this one up and we will catch everybody next week. All right. All right. I see ya. Thanks. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.